books at this age are really important. So showing kids sort of where they fit in the world and demystifying parts of the world around them, I, I think is um, one of the great things we do as middle grade authors. What Were You Thinking, the podcast that goes beyond the pages of the books we love. I'm your host, Dana Goldstein, and I invite you to join me as we ask authors to share the story behind their stories. I'd like to start off with a little warning about today's episode. We do talk about death, so if you have little ears around and you don't feel like answering a whole lot of questions, then you might want to listen to this on your own or with earbuds. But that being said, this book, Sorry for Your Loss by Joanne Levy, is a middle grade book and it does deal with death. Most of the book is set inside a funeral home and Joanne handled the subject matter in a 100% appropriate way for the audience. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Joanne Levy. Thank Uh, you. Why don't you start by telling us, giving us a synopsis of Sorry for Your Loss? Sure. Excited to and excited to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Um, Sorry for Your Loss is about a girl named Evie, and she works part time in her family's owned and operated Jewish funeral home. And she wants to be a funeral director when she grows up, just like her parents. And she thinks by nature of working there, dusting caskets and giving out uh, tissues and things that she knows everything there is to know about grief. And she finds out she is sorely wrong when she meets a boy who comes in after the terrible tragedy of losing both of his parents in a car accident that he was also in and uh, was injured in. So it's a story about uh, their um dawning friendship and learning about grief together and how to move on. And also it's a behind the scenes, I wouldn't say tell all, um, but peek into the the funeral industry and specifically Jewish funeral um, traditions. Being Jewish myself, this is not a foreign world to me, but I still learn things that I did not know about. And I felt that you shared details in a way that's completely appropriate and comfortable for the middle grade reader. That's great to hear. Thank you. Evie's a wonderful character. She's bright. She's strong. She knows what she wants. She's not afraid to take a risk, but she is afraid to get in trouble. And the whole idea of her not wanting to get into a friendship with anybody after suffering a heartbreak was that that was intentional. Yes. Um, Mostly uh, the part where she is determined not to have friends actually came in sort of a final draft. Um, The book was missing something. It was missing a thread of something in her motivation. Um, So I actually added that in sort of toward the end. Her personality of being so earnest and, and caring and wanting to follow in her parents' footsteps, that was there from the very beginning. But the, the, the threat of not wanting friends and why, it was a late addition. It, it was interesting to me to get that insider view of a funeral home. Kids were not taught about death. We were kind of shielded from it. It was weird and mysterious. I appreciated 
the view, the insider view that you gave to the readers on what it's like from behind the scenes. And that's because you have experience. Can you share that? Um, I have sort of experience. So unlike Evie, I didn't grow up in the business. My parents didn't get into the business until quite later in life. Um, My great aunt um, who has since passed was part of the Hever Kadisha in my hometown. And that's the, the special burial society of people that prepare bodies for burial. And it's mostly a, a volunteer position, at least in my town. The Hever Kadisha, which literally means holy society, are a group of Jewish people who care for the deceased in order to prepare them for burial. This includes taking off any clothes they come in with, washing the body. The body is always fully covered. Women wash women and men wash men. And it's a completely purifying and delicate and respectful ritual that every Jewish person has before they are moved into a coffin and ultimately buried. And she modeled that. And then my dad got into it, I think in 2001. So he was in his sixties when he started. And then he in turn brought my mom into it. And at the time, because it's such a a small funeral chapel, they only had one paid employee. When he retired, my dad moved into the role. So it wasn't until much later in life. So I didn't grow up in the industry, but once I decided I wanted to write books about uh, the topic, I had great behind the scenes access and research. That was a big part of wanting to write the book is knowing that I had very easy access to everything I wanted to see. My dad has always said, you know, you're not doing kids any favors when you're hiding it from them. Kids are curious. Kids want to know. And if we hide it away, I think we're modeling bad behavior on how to deal with grief and how it should be packed away and nobody should see it. So it was important for me to sort of uncover that in in a way that's accessible and safe for kids. Do you feel that's something that you try to infuse into all your books, making the adult world more accessible to young readers? I think so. I, I mean, this writing for this age group is so fun and also important because this is this is the formative years and these are the books that kids remember for the rest of their lives i mean if you a lot of times if you ask somebody oh what what was your favorite book and they go right to that book that was right in the middle grade that they remember and they feel nostalgic about okay joanne is 100% right about this because when i think of my favorite middle grade books it's like a playlist of judy bloom starting with blubber are you there god it's me margaret it's not the end of the world forever and then later when i was just a tiny bit older and i read wifey was that scandalous books at this age are really important so showing kids sort of where they fit in the world and demystifying parts of the world around them i i think is Um, one of the great things we do as middle grade authors. Yeah, I I really appreciate the Jewish voice that you bring to your books. Because I feel like when I was growing up, I like you was a voracious reader as a kid. And I feel like there wasn't enough of my religion in the books that I was reading. Yeah. And and it's important to me. And even as I get older, 
um, it's even more important to me to let Jewish kids be seen in books that they read and, and see themselves. And also maybe even more important is for non-Jewish kids to normalize Jewish kids and see that, you know, we may pray somewhere else or we may eat different foods or dress differently sometimes, but we're all the same inside. We all want to belong. We all want to have friends. We all want to make a difference. And, you know, as anti-Semitism is on the rise over and over, we hear terrible things. I want non-Jewish kids to say, oh, they're just Jewish, you know, and normalize it. And it's not a big deal because as soon as it's a big deal, we get othered. And then you run into problems of anti-Semitism and, and why different and threatening. And so it's really, really, really important to me to normalize um, contemporary Jewish kids. I noticed on your website, you made reference to teenage misadventure. <laughs> I'm extremely curious about what kind of misadventure that was. I was a bored teenager. And uh, I didn't do so well academically, uh, mostly because I did not attend much school. I attended a lot of the burger joint next to the school um, during school hours. And I'm actually a, a high school dropout, but I realized that wasn't going to take me where I wanted to go in life. And I actually went to McMaster University as a mature student and, and did get a degree. So yeah, that teenage misadventure turned into adult responsibility eventually. When did you discover that you wanted to be a writer? I've always told stories, um, even, even back in high school when I was, uh, what few academic things I was doing, the ones I took joy from were the writing ones. So I took, um, you know, creative writing and I, and I was happy in, the, in that class and I did well. And I had a really good teacher for creative writing who was also an author who was a great role model. So I think I've always written and wanted to write. Um, it wasn't until I was grown up and had a job where I had a lot of free time that I actually turned to it more seriously and said, hey, I have all these hours in the day that I can fill with writing and, and it didn't take away from my job. I was working at an employment center waiting for clients to come to me. So in between those hours, um, I had to keep busy. So then I started taking it more seriously. But I've always written stories and always told stories, even as a kid in school, um, making up stuff and making other kids laugh was sort of my reason for being. <laughs> Did you always gravitate towards middle grade and YA? Um, no, I actually started writing chiclet and I had written a couple manuscripts that were chiclet and I had an agent just at the time that chiclet died. So that wasn't working out so well. <laughs> so then I wrote YA and um, nobody wanted my YA books. And I actually had um, a different agent and he was shopping a manuscript at that time called Small Medium at Large, and it was YA. And he sent it to an editor that said, would you consider rewriting it as middle grade? Because we love your voice, but we think it's better for a younger audience. And you know, there's a lot more to that story, but eventually I rewrote it and that became my debut novel. So, as a middle grade. As a middle grade, yeah. And since then it sort of feels like my jam. So I like it. It's fun writing for that audience. What do you find fun about writing for middle grade? I love writing firsts. I, I love first crushes, um, first time away from home, like my summer camp book, The Sun Will Come Out. Um, 
first times it's it's fraught with opportunities for embarrassment and torturing characters and making them feel like I did as a kid and then having a happy ending. So <laughs> it's almost like the ultimate do-over to be able to um, write those kinds of feelings and experiences that I felt very acutely as a tween. Um, but I get to build the world and, and control the outcome. When you were researching for Sorry for Your Loss, what did you find that surprised you? I think some of the rituals were surprising and, and maybe that we just don't know um, about things that, that happen after we die. And I, and I guess it's, I never really thought about the shrouds and what they look like, like the physical things about it. And I found that the clay pot thing was very interesting. What Joanne writes about in Sorry for Your Loss is a part of the Hever Kadisha, a ritual called the Tahara, where the body is prepared for its final rest. This involves using broken pottery shards to cover the eyes. It's a custom that dates back to when Jews weren't allowed to have their own cemetery. And if a cemetery was being destroyed or and caskets were being moved, we could identify who the Jewish people were because they had their eyes covered with pottery shards. There's also some Kabbalistic mysticism around this that stipulates that covering the eyes shields the deceased from seeing anything other than the great lights and the absolute truth of the world. And a great opportunity for some humor in the book, for those who are about to read it. And one of the things that more recently I've been thinking about a lot is how Jewish funerals are inherently green funerals and that return to earth as quickly as possible. And I just, I find that very interesting and it's, it's beautiful um, in as much as funerals can be beautiful to return to the earth as, as you came into it. What was the hardest part about writing story for your loss? Were there any challenges? I, there was, there was a lot of challenges. Um, first and foremost, I wanted to get it right. I mean, this, this book is not only something that I hope kids enjoy and learn from, it's also a tribute to my dad and the work that he does. So I really, really wanted to make sure I got it right. I also wanted to make sure I got it right for kids um, so that it wouldn't fuel too many nightmares um, and make it not too scary, but also satisfy that curiosity of what happens. Um, so that that was a challenge, um, getting the content right. And also because I originally started writing it as something else. It was supposed to be a companion novel to my debut, Small, Medium at Large. So Small, Medium at Large is about a girl who gets hit by lightning and can then hear ghosts. So of course there's death and stuff going on. So I originally thought I would write this book as a companion to that, where she meets a boy who has ghosts all around him. And it turns out he works in his family's funeral home. Um, and it was supposed to be fun and frothy, like small, medium at large. And then I, I realized that that tone would be off. And there's so much that goes with grief and loss. And I didn't want to diminish that. And knowing that kids would be reading a book about funeral homes that may have experienced loss or will experience loss. And I didn't want to sort of do that disrespectful thing of making it a farce. 
So I realized my tone was off. So I put it away and, and came back to it. It wasn't until we lost my mom after a, a pretty uh, short and quick and unexpected illness that the seeds of this book really came together. And it was because I had already done the research and done touring of the funeral home um, in preparation for that other book that never happened. And when we went to the funeral home um, with my mom and she was in the back room and you know, most people don't see the Tahara room where you prepare the bodies, but my dad being the manager and he put on his funeral director hat and we were all in the back room, him and me and my brothers. And although it was the worst day ever, I felt comforted knowing how she would be cared for. I felt comforted being surrounded by things I knew about. So it was terrible. But at the same time, it was that spark of hey, other people don't have that knowledge that may make them feel better knowing, you know, the rules and traditions and how respected uh, people are when they when they come in and, and um, prepare people for burial. And that's what really sparked it. But because of the nature of of how that came about, I wouldn't have written this book if my mom hadn't died. So every time I read it, Every time I open it, every time I have to edit, it's a gut punch because I lost my mom, who was my best friend. So what's the most enjoyable part of authoring your own books? I would show you a picture, but your listeners won't see it. But the thing that stands out to me, so I'll, I'll paint you a scene here. My first book, Small, Medium at Large, got on the Forest of Reading, which is the kids' choice um, big awards in Ontario. And Fantastic. it's a huge deal. Yes, it's yes. Huge. And I- the Forest of Reading isn't just limited to Ontario. It actually is a cross country. It's national across Canada. It's a recreational reading program. It off- they have 10 different programs to encourage a love of reading in people of all ages. For a middle grade author, it is like the holy grail to get on this list because it means that libraries and schools are 100% invested in your book and getting your book into the hands of young readers. And it's so awesome. Like I I can't even describe how awesome it is. And if any author wants to feel like a rock star, write for kids and get on the forest of reading. Anyway, I was at the the big festival, uh, Festival of Trees, I think it's called in Toronto. And I'm doing a signing line. And this kid comes up in my signing line and she has my book cover on her shirt. Um, She went to some store and had them do like an iron on or whatever. And she had makeup on her face that uh, that was in the same color as the book. And and I just I took her pic. I asked her if I could take her picture. I took her picture and I asked her if I could give her a hug. And it was the pinnacle of success as an author to have a kid who is so excited about your book and loves it so much that she got on a bus and she went to an author event just to meet you and I think I was more excited to meet her than she was to meet me. And, and that's, that's it. I mean, that's why. And, and last night I did a, um, a tween book club and I got to talk to, I think it was 12 kids about one of my books and they loved it. And we had a great discussion about stereotypes and gender roles and it was for fish out of water. And, and 
I mean, that's it. That's why I do it for sure. I mean, it's fun telling stories, but touching a kid's life in that way that they're so excited to talk to you about something you made up in your head. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. And that's, that's something that those kids will remember forever. What's your writing process like? Do you write at a specific time of day? Are you a planner or a pantser? I'm a very all over the place writer. I'm not one of these people that writes every day and says you have to write every day. Um, It just doesn't work for me. Um, And I used to worry about long stretches in between writing that I would lose the muscle of writing. And some people say they do. and, And I pick it up pretty quickly again. And I've gotten far enough that I trust my process and it does work. But yeah, I write in, I would say sprints to to get books done. If I'm with a book too long and it's not coming together, I get pretty bored um, and I might abandon it. So I I focus pretty hard on what I'm working on. Um, And I'm a total pantser and I'm one of these discovery writers where the joy for me is in the writing because then that's when it comes together and I, oh, that's going to happen. Okay. You know, and, and go along with it. So that's my messy process. Of all the books that you've written, who is your favorite character and why? Oh, pick a favorite mom. Pick a favorite (laughs) for so many different reasons. I, I think maybe, well, uh, probably Harry from the sun will come out. He's really funny and I just love him, but that's hard. That's hard. I mean, Evie and Oren from um, Sorry for Your Loss are so fresh in my head and I love both of them for different reasons. And I also love that in my head, they grow up and get married and run the funeral home together. Yeah. It's hard to choose. It's hard. That's not a fair question. No, it's not, but I like to ask it anyways. What are you working on now? So I just finished edits on my next book, which is called The Book of Elsie. And it's another Orca Currents book. So one of the um, short books for striving readers, for middle graders. And it is a Purim story. Purim is a Jewish holiday where in synagogue they read from the book of Esther from the Torah or the Bible. And the story is centered around a advisor to the king named Haman, who had planned to kill all the Jews in the empire. And Queen Esther stepped up to the plate and said to her husband, the king, yo, hubby, guess what? Here's something you don't know. I'm a Jew too. And if Haman wants to take the life of every Jew in the empire, that includes me. So if you want to get some, you got to take them down. And I'm super grateful to Esther for having stepped up to the plate to save our people. So it's about a girl who is super excited about her Purim festival at her synagogue. Um, but then she finds out that it, it's going to be canceled and she's decided to save uh, her Purim festival and the synagogue. And hilarity ensues. And there's some serious topics in it as well. Do you consider yourself a voice for for the young Jewish reader? I think so. I mean, it feels very big headed of me to say yes, absolutely. But <laughs> I I think so. I mean, I I want kids to see themselves in my books. I want 
like I said before, non-Jewish kids to see bits of themselves in these books as well. I don't write religious books, even though my next book is very much set in and around a synagogue. It's not a religious book. It really isn't. Um, I write about contemporary kids who just happen to be Jewish and this is their life. What's some of the feedback that you get from kids? I don't get a ton of feedback from kids. I mean, so what I, was what in the in the tween book club that you just just did? What were like who drove the conversation? Who came up with the questions and the topics? So it was mostly me that came up with the questions, and we talked a lot about stereotypes and gender roles and things like that because that's what Fish Out of Water is about, and it's. Uh, for your listeners who haven't read it, it's about a, a boy who wants to knit, who wants to learn how to knit as part of his bar mitzvah project. And he gets pushback from the people that love and support him most, like his grandmother and his his mom and, and his best friend. Um, so the book club was mostly girls and they appreciated that Fish stood up for himself and did what he wanted to do. And also that nobody should be told what they can and can't do because they're a boy or a girl or whatever their gender is. So they really appreciated that. And, and getting that feedback directly from them um, was really nice. Cause sometimes, I mean, you know what it's like, you write a book and it goes out in the world and then you have no idea what happens to it. It's not really even your business. If people like it or don't like it, that's, that's the reader. Yeah. So that was really good feedback. Yeah. It's gratifying to get feedback from the demographic yeah Yeah. from the target (laughs) audience right and I feel like middle graders and tweens aren't they don't feel the need to hold back they're unflinchingly honest so there is no higher praise than from a tween because they are not going to sugarcoat it if they hate your book they hate your book and that's that's fine how do you uh how do you process reviews do you read them I read every single one yeah I'm that, yeah, I'm that person. I have to. Um, but you know what? I've had so much rejection over the years from publishers. Um, you get a pretty thick skin. Um, and if somebody didn't like the book, that's fine. I mean, not every book is for every person. And if if everybody liked all the same books, we would have, what, five books in the entire world. And we would just read them over and over. Um, so that's absolutely fine. Um the only time I get frustrated is if somebody doesn't like the book because of something they misunderstood in it or didn't read the whole thing and then give it a one star. Um, but you know what, like I said, what happens to the book once it's out of my hands is out of my hands. And it's not, it's not really my business to do anything about that, but I do, I do read them. I'm, I can't help myself. I shouldn't. I shouldn't, but I do. And maybe it gives us a thicker skin at the end of the day, right? Is there something you could tell parents, some kind of advice you could give them on how to approach difficult subjects with your young kids? I think books are the best way to approach difficult subjects with your kids because it gives you an in. There's lots and lots of books for tweens and even younger that cover difficult subjects. Read them and then read them with your kids and then open a dialogue. And that's one of the reasons I wrote Sorry for Your Loss is to have that safe space to talk about what happens when we die and and what happens to our bodies and what a funeral is like. Because 
the best way to open up that dialogue is before you need to. So say a kid hasn't lost a grandparent and has never, never had to deal with great loss, but they pick up the book and say, you know what, mom or dad or uncle or whoever, I'm really curious about this. And then maybe, you know, the day comes when they do lose somebody and they feel a little better because they know what happens. And it's going back to that same thing of how I was comforted knowing what, what would happen to my mom, you know, kids, if you can sort of, I don't want to say desensitize, that's not the right world word, but prepare them for difficult stuff before they have to deal with it. Books are great for that. Wonderful. So where can people find your books? My books are available anywhere you buy books um, in Canada at Indigo and independent bookstores everywhere and in the States, everywhere you get books. Well, Joanne, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a wonderful chat. I thank you wholeheartedly and wish you the best success with Story for Your Loss. It's, It's truly a gift. Baruch Hashem. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And that means a lot to me. And this has been a pleasure. What a great way to spend a morning. That brings us to the end of another episode of What Were You Thinking? You can learn more about Joanne by visiting her website, joannelevy.com, following her on Twitter, her handles, Joanne Levy, and on Facebook at Joanne Levy Author Page. If you're interested in checking out my own work, I invite you to visit my website, danagoldstein.ca, and you can follow me on Twitter as well at Dana G. Writes, and on Facebook, author Dana Goldstein. Thanks for giving me your ears. Happy reading. Ooh, you clever minxes, you stuck around because you know, you know there's bonus content at the end of every episode. So here we go. Hey, Joanne. Tell me something not a lot of people know about you. Yeah, I was thinking about this and I I don't admit this to a lot of people because I think it makes me feel weird or seem weird, but I hate magic. I really hate magic. I hate magic. You're not yeah. alone. I I figure, but I just don't like being duped and I think it's because a lot of magic tricks are such sleight of hand is one thing that I can appreciate. And if you can fool me that way, I think that's really interesting and can be fun. It's not my favorite thing, but I'm okay with it, but it's the technology of tricks that, you know, the smoke and mirrors stuff that you look at the mechanics of it and you're like, well, that's just a trick. That's cheap. I'm, I'm a very literal person and, I hate magic. So. (laughs) And how do you feel about clowns? (laughs) Yeah, not a big fan. I like Cirque du Soleil, but I could do without the clowns. Hold it! I want this man arrested! Captain, these men are a criminal violation of the Environmental Protection Act! And this explosion is the direct result of it! Your mother! Yeah.
Building, 57th Street. I'm in a hurry, so let's not go.